0: Welcome to Untangling Christianity. On this show, John and Greg attempt to diffuse destructive ideologies, unsnarl confused ideas, consider love and truth in Christianity. Hello, my name is Greg Monteith, and you're listening to the Untangling Christianity podcast. For those of you that have been listening for any amount of time— You'll notice a difference in this podcast right away, and that is that I am uh, today without my good friend and excellent podcast partner, John Polstra. Uh, John is taking some time to finishing up to finish up his coaching certification uh, and also to work on some other projects that have got John's attention. Uh, so as we mentioned in the last episode, John's going to be absent for the next little while, John and I have just finished uh, a series on the um, relationship, if you like, and the contrast between coaching and Christianity. If you haven't been listening to this series, it's really arisen out of John's own sense that he's much more attracted to, much more interested in and compelled by coaching than he is with Christianity. And in a lot of Christian cultures, that's a difficult thing, right? If something is taking more of your attention or more of your time or grabbing more of your imagination than your faith, then you have a problem. instead, over the last number of podcasts, the approach that we took was, well, what is it about coaching that's that's interesting or compelling? What makes it work for you and and why is that uh, different from Christianity and so What we did through those podcasts are really to look at some of the principles, the requisites, and the components of coaching, not with a sense of trying to harmonize coaching and Christianity, but with a sense of trying to understand coaching fully, and therefore therefore to almost uh, engage in a, a process of, if you like, interpreting Christianity on the basis of some of these valuable components that John saw within coaching. Things like it, it's there's change. Change happens at a at a fairly um steady rate and fairly measurable ways. And and this is really crucial. Uh, coaching brings more clarity, not less clarity. It brings more order. And these are things that if you've listened to John and I speaking uh over any number of podcasts, you know that these are some uh primary values, some core values for John. But obviously, there are also things that we would hope for or aspire to in terms of Christian belief. So there's a lot of value there. Um, At this point, uh, what I want to do over the next number of podcasts is to look at what we've started through the podcast as a whole. And by that, I mean we can just look at, or just if I can refer to, the tagline for the podcast, um, Diffusing Destructive Ideologies, Unsnarling Confused Ideas, and finally, Considering Love and Truth in Christianity. John and I have done a lot of dealing with destructive ideologies and a lot of uh, recognizing and trying to untangle some confused and snarled ideas. And if we take the metaphor of a table... We're uh, Christianity, evangelical Christianity, which is what we've sort of largely been focusing on. Evangelical Christianity might be seen to represent a table, and that table is very full. It's perhaps over full. Many, many ideas, a range, a huge range of viewpoints. Part of the process of diffusing those destructive ideologies and unsnarling those confused ideas is we can move those destructive ideologies off the table. I think those legitimately don't have a place or they have no legitimate place, if you will, on the table. The the confused and uh, snarled ideas are just taking up way too much space. And through looking at uh, them, deciphering them, working through them, it's almost to use the analogy compacting them so that they're not taking up a ton of space or too much space they're taking up the space that they should and i think through this dual process of dealing with destructive ideologies dealing with uh snarled ideas we have effectively created some space on the table for moving to the next step and maybe maybe the biggest step in terms of the podcast which is Considering Love and Truth in Christianity. So over the next uh, number of podcasts, what I'm wanting to do with you is to offer some podcasts that are uh, a little more informational, a little less discussional, with a focus on this idea of love and truth, truth and love. Now, two things are going to be important in this next series of podcasts. One is definitions. We're dealing with words that people use all the time and yet words that if we consider them, we see that people use them in very different ways. In other words, someone can say that this is love and another person might say that that thing over there is love and those two things look very different. There could be a fair amount of disagreement, in other words, uh, between maybe the two parties that are espousing something these different things, but using the same word. So the need for definitions is really there. Um, One of the ways that we might consider love, and that I'm going to put that forward, is love includes at least a willingness to respect the ideas of the other person and the text of the other person as my own. So the willingness to be um, considerate and respectful in the sense of listening fully, to the other person's views and holding those views and my own views in a kind of flexible tension. And my listening or by listening, what I'm meaning is not listening in order to form arguments or to form uh, counterpoints, but to attempt to bring out the fullest strength possible of that other viewpoint. So that's one component. I'm just going to offer uh, one aspect of what i might what we might look at later as definitions of love that's one part of a definition of love in terms of truth um something that I've mentioned uh on on a number of podcasts previously is that truth is really uh perhaps one way of looking at it is assessing and understanding the truth claims that are being made and then determining whether there are appropriate and sufficient truth, whether there is appropriate and sufficient truth value relative to those claims. So in other words, something could be considered truthful if it's making a claim and that claim holds up, right? It makes sense. It's got backing. It's got evidence. And that's really what I'm talking about in terms of the relationship between truth claims, what's being claimed, and truth value. How much r- real Uh, Content is there to that claim. So, the first piece then that I'm going to be looking at over the next number of podcasts, or one of the pieces, is definitions. And we'll probably be working towards what I might call, or aiming at what I might call working definitions, as opposed to, let's say, exhaustive definitions. I don't know that anyone is going to come up with an exhaustive definition for love in other words a definition that pretty much everyone pretty much all the time is going to agree with but i do think it's quite possible for us to come up with working definitions definitions that in these particular contexts seem to hold water and definitions that have firm enough boundaries that we can def- we can perceive them and yet boundaries that can be sufficiently flexible to uh, embrace Uh, enhancements the next major piece that I want to look at and I want to start really with this one is this whole uh, the 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 necessity of good theory and valid action or practice if you like so the the necessity for theory and practice when it comes to considering love and truth in Christianity and this is the piece that has me pretty excited because I have been working over the last number of years, uh, I'm not sure how many, uh, two, three, four, uh, on a project that, um, I am now, uh, I've not only completed it, but I am beginning to ship it. I am sending it out to, in the world, to interested parties with the hopes that they will, um, uh, be, uh, endorsing and, um, seeking to come on board, really, to uh, have this program delivered, whether it's in a church, whether it's in a, a community setting, however it's said. Um, the project is called the Integration Project. It takes a lot of its uh, theoretical um, understanding and perspective from my graduate work, but it also is very much informed by some of the practical and um, life Centered experiences that I had and John had uh, at uh, La Brie in Switzerland, and also that I've had uh, in other areas of my life my marriage, uh, my friendships, etc. Um, the integration project um, is really about promoting human flourishing. And it does this by empowering uh, participants to recognize, pursue, acquire, and redistribute two core human needs. And those two core human needs are love and truth, truth and love. So over the coming podcasts, I will be presenting the integration project, its various elements, explaining those elements. And ultimately, I will be inviting uh, listeners who are interested uh, come the autumn to actually participate in some of the uh, integration project seminar series that will be taking place come the end of September and probably for about uh, six to eight weeks. Uh, The seminar series is just one uh, part of the integration project. It's one component. And uh, I I, I ran the first series last year, and that was just locally here for folks that were interested. And this year, upcoming... Uh, If you are part of the Untangling Christianity Facebook group, so uh, those folks there know who they are, if that sounds of interest to you, how you would join that Facebook group is simply sending uh, an email to info at untanglingchristianity.com, or pardon me, feedback, feedback at untanglingchristianity.com, and you would just let us know who you are, a bit of your background. And um, that you've listened to an episode or two, and that you're interested, perhaps, in coming on uh, to um, be part of the seminar series. So, I want to start off. I, I've given you kind of the, the tagline, if you like, of the Integration Project promoting human flourishing. The whole idea of the Integration Project really is um, several fold. On the one hand, it's asking how. Does Christianity deal with? How does it overcome two very large problems that seem to be facing it? And I'm thinking mostly again about evangelical Christianity. On the one hand, the one problem, there is a credibility gap, what I would call a credibility gap between the views and understandings of the majority of evangelical Christians and the views and understandings of those outside. So, in many cases, you'll hear non-Christians, agnostics, atheists, whomever, uh, talking about Christianity, if they do it all, as simply irrelevant. It's not that Christianity is a problem. It's not that Christianity is nonsense. It's simply that Christianity doesn't, is, it, it is not even on the map. It no longer even matters. And that, in great part, is down to this lack of credibility and I'll explain more about that as we go on. The next major problem is a problem that occurs internally within churches, and this is what I might call this the, the alienation factor where churches in evangelical settings can often be so concerned with truth and Parishioners or members or adherents acting in ways that promote and conform with biblical truth, that they estrange or marginalize members of their churches on the basis of what's perceived to be um, an inadequate, um, inadequately keeping biblical truth, inab- inadequate attention to or respect for biblical truth. So the integration project on the one hand, attempts to address both of these issues. On the other hand, the integration project also recognizes that Christianity is by and large, and church particularly is by and large, let's say, church is by and large for Christians. And on the one hand, that sounds just normal, but on the other hand, that's not what it's supposed to be. Christianity is supposed to be for people, for everyone in the sense that to the extent that Christianity really is about human flourishing, Christianity should be and is for everyone. So one of the things that the Integration Project tries to do is it tries to address the fact that churches are places that only Christians go to. Church is a phenomena that is only for Christians, and yet Christianity is for everybody. It identifies the integration project identifies that disconnect and tries to create environments where dialogue between Christians, agnostics, atheists, those of other uh, who identify with other faith traditions are able to discuss productively. And I'm pretty excited about that component. It's called the Life and Faith Program, um, and it really does focus on things in that order, life first, faith second. And I think that's part of what's been missing so much is that Christianity is so much about faith and it's about seeing things the way that Christians do. No wonder atheists and agnostics aren't interested in going, who would be? You've got nothing to gain. You're there to be told that you're wrong and how to do things correctly. When atheists and agnostics have some incredibly insightful and valuable uh views on the aspects of Christian practice that are deeply problematic. And that, again, is part of my graduate work. Coming back to the integration project as a whole then, the integration project arose out of three of my primary commitments. First, to engage with what is most essential and fulfilling in human life. Second, for this engagement to be honest yet rigorous, and to incorporate or draw on a range of valid information sources. And the third commitment is for this engagement to offer the best possible outcomes relative to living life better. So in terms of becoming one's best self, um, becoming a more competent choice maker, and experiencing success in relationships. These are some of those markers. The integration project is a project in several ways. First, it's formalized. It's a structured approach to getting the most out of life. Second, the integration project has particular aims. It encourages participants both to engage in various courses of learning and to commit to a larger task, something that um, in past podcasts I've referred to as a lifestyle, and that is the lifestyle of flourishing. And finally, the integration project um, is a project in the sense that it involves participants testing out certain orientations, certain dedications, and expectations that have been designed to promote success in terms of living life better. The integration project is about integration also in several ways. First, it emphasizes both observing life and participating in it. And this is uh, that initial comment that I made about relying on the intertwined process of generating good theory from good practice and informing valuable practice with good theory. So theory and practice going together in this kind of intertwined way. Second, um, the integration project uh, is interdisciplinary, both in that it relies on various information sources and in the sense that it looks to structure and it argues for a particular way of structuring the relationships between various information sources, uh, between biology and psychology, between philosophy and um, exegesis or theology. And finally, the integration project is a is about integration in the sense that it promotes what we might call productive tensions rather than promoting hierarchies or principles. And this is the idea that so back to talking about considering love and truth in Christianity, love and truth um, are positioned as within the integration project as being co-central components of what we might call. Complementary oppositions or productive tensions. So, other tensions, uh, productive tensions, or complementary oppositions might be that between confidence and humility. Also, between things like trust and suspicion, belief and skepticism. Now, here's a point that I want to raise, uh, and, and I'll reiterate this over the next number of podcasts. If you're a Christian and you're accustomed to hearing, um, let's say, about trust or suspicion in particular ways, uh, it may be a very jarring experience to have these components or requisites of human life put together, let's say, in a a different way, such as a productive tension where both sides are valued. So, for example, typically with most Christians, um, you want to be trusting. Relative to Christianity, things to do with you know trusting towards other Christians, et etc, et etc, and you want to exercise suspicion relative to non-Christian viewpoints, to agnostics, to atheists. And what I am adv- advocating and what the integration project uh, will begin to help participants understand and put into practice is that we are not dealing with individual principles like trust, belief suspicion, skepticism, we're typically dealing with tensions, with productive tensions. So this is the idea within Christianity, for example, that self-deceit is real, that I have the ability to deceive myself, which is not simply to do something that I know I shouldn't do, but to do the very thing I claim not to while believing that I'm doing the right thing. And this is, this is one of the most fundamental resources and valuable resources within the Christian faith. But accessing this can be really tricky. And part of the way that I'm going to suggest that we access this and really uh, make greatest use of it, maximize the benefit, if you like, of this awareness of, uh, regarding self-deceit is through embracing and understanding various types of productive tensions that exist in human life, and interestingly and valuably, that are um, explained and uh, promoted within the biblical text. So this idea that I need to be suspicious of myself, I need to be suspicious of my religious, as a Christian, of my religious participation of my religious views, so for instance, the book of Isaiah is filled with examples of ancient Israel um, claiming that its actions are just and valid and and represent uh, uh, true worship, if you like, uh, of God. And yet, these very same practices uh, are denounced by the prophet as being uh, terribly uh, misguided uh, as being dirty and polluted so that's an introduction if you will to the integration project it's promoting human flourishing through empowering participants to recognize pursue acquire and redistribute love and truth truth and love that's the focus I look forward to talking to with you uh, more about this and ultimately to putting out some invitations uh, but first I'm happy to break out what's involved in the integration project. Next time uh, I want to look at, yeah, just some of these ideas, right? Uh, seekers. Uh, you might say, well, w- what's the sense of this? Isn't the integration project just kind of doing double duty for something like uh, the alpha program? Uh, I've got some, got some ideas there I'd like to share with you. And this whole category of seekers, I'm not so sure about that. Um, and then talking about If we're really interested in engaging with people who are uh, atheists and agnostics, what are we doing to promote that for them? What are we doing to ensure there's something in it for them, or there's as much in it for them as there is in it for someone who's a Christian? And I don't think that question, if it gets asked, I've not heard of it being asked, and I sure don't know any of the answers. So I'm looking forward to talking with you more about that uh, in the next podcast, and then going on to discuss another piece which is really interesting for me. Um, which is when you're in a difficult situation and you're trying to have a conversation that you know is loaded and risks exploding for a number of different parties because you've got people with different uh, sympathies and orientations at the table. What would happen if you turned that into a game? And that's exactly what part of the integration project does is it gamifies tough conversations. And I want to talk about that coming up. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Untangling Christianity podcast. A summary and resources for this episode are at our website, untanglingchristianity.com. If you'd like to join our private Facebook group or reach us by email, send your request, questions, or even a simple hello to feedback at untanglingchristianity.com. Music on this podcast is provided by Kevin McLeod at incompetech.com and is licensed under a Creative Commons license.